0: Beginning with the inspired title, A Song of Ascents. Blessed is every one who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion. May you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word, and as we uh, seek to uh, soak in it, I pray that your Holy Spirit would quicken the word to our hearts and enliven our faith, and that blessings truly would fall upon this, your congregation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've just come off of a long series of sermons on women of faith and I decided that I'm not going to do a series on men of faith, at least not uh, uh, this year. But before we enter into Passion Week, I do want to give one sermon that highlights God's instruction to men who desire His blessing, who desire an increase of blessing in their lives. This is a psalm that promises incredible blessings to men of faith, but we're going to start by asking the question: what does it take for us men to be more fully blessed? Psalm 68:19 says, and this is an absolute, inspired, inerrant promise, but it says, God daily loads us. With benefits. And the word for load is a very heavy load that was put on top of a donkey. And so he's saying every single day, God loads us with his blessings. And so why is it we don't always experience God's blessings? Well, I believe that with many of us, God's daily blessings that have been allotted to us fall off as soon as they are put on or to use the analogy of a sieve being our life and water being God's blessings coming into our life, those blessings go right through the sieve. They don't fill us up full to, uh, to overflowing like they were intended uh, to do. And so to ask the question again, what does it take for us men to be more fully blessed? Now, in a sense, the previous Psalms of Ascent give us the preconditions to this So, for example, in Psalm 126, it requires that we be delivered from those things that have held us captive. Pornography, bitterness, anger, and to be committed to being totally captive to God's will. That's Psalm 126. Psalm 127 requires that we look to the Lord to build our house and to guard our city and to undergird all of our labors, to be the Lord of our home, the Lord of our planning, the Lord of our future. In fact, uh, we're going to be singing Psalm 127 after uh, the sermon, and so when all of the psalms of ascent are lived out, we can expect an increase in blessings, but this psalm all by itself informs us uh, for the answer to that question. There are conditions to experiencing the fullness of God's blessing. I think too many of us are quite content with just the handful of blessings that we experience But I hope by the end of this sermon, uh, your faith will be raised up to expect a lot more uh, blessing from the Lord and to receive a lot more. In fact, uh, during the sermon, I'm going to be pronouncing 12 blessings upon this congregation. And uh, if you're willing to receive them by faith, uh, I believe that the Lord will uh, put them upon you. That this psalm is especially addressed to men, I think, can be seen quite easily from verses 3 through 4, which speak of your wife. Okay, well, obviously he's talking to men there, right? Uh, Your wife, your house, your children, your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. And the word for man there is not the generic word for man. It's the word that's only used of males and even for warriors. Okay, so it's a male at the height of his manly powers. Now, it's not as if God doesn't bless you women. You've gotten way more blessings than we men have, you know, in the sermons that we've gone through. Uh, But if you are willing to pray this psalm into your husband's life, or if you're a child and you're willing to pray this psalm into your father's life, there will be an overflow of blessing into your lives as well. God blesses the whole family when the patriarch is healthy and when the wife does not tear down the home. But men, here is the question today. Do you want blessing? Do you even believe that it's possible to be blessed? Verse 1 pronounces a blessed. Verse 2 pronounces happiness and things going well for you. Verse 3 promises satisfaction with your wife and children. Verse 4 says once again, Thus shall the man be blessed. Verse 5 says, The Lord bless you out of Zion. This is a psalm of blessing. And nor do the blessings have to come only upon a tiny minority of believers. Uh, No, verse 1 gives God's intention, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Uh, Though Adam lost his enormous blessings through his uh, rebellion against God, salvation was actually designed in part to be restoring everything that was lost through Adam. And this means God's plans for us are to restore blessings into our lives. To me, this is a very exciting psalm. Nor is this blessing for only a few moments of life. If you take a look at verse 5, verse 5 wants this blessing to rest upon you men. It says, all the days of your life. Can we men really have this joy and blessing when life is so hard? And the answer is yes, we can. But these verses do indicate that unless four conditions are met, you men will only retain a few of the blessings that God daily drops from heaven. The first condition is that we men must learn to live quorum Deo, which is a Latin phrase that was one of Calvin's favorite ones, but it means living before the face of God. Uh, it's clear that the person of this psalm knows God in salvation, knows God in his daily labors, knows God in his family, knows God in Zion. Uh, God is part and parcel of every facet of everything that he does. Now, when we looked at the life of Tabitha, we saw the same was true of her. The only reason her works were good works was because they were done in faith to God's glory by the power of the Spirit who unites her to Christ, right? And um, the same is true of this man. The psalm is not asking men to add one more thing to their already impossibly busy schedule. He's saying transform what you are doing. It's asking men to put all of their labors, their rests, their plans, their intimate relations, their dominion, put everything... Into relationship with God and into a kingdom perspective. Now, this point deals with that intimate relationship with God, and it can be seen with two things. First of all, the covenant name, Yehovah. Anytime you see Lord in the New King James in all capital letters, it's referring to the covenant name, uh, Yehovah, which God uses with those that He has drawn into a close covenant with Him. God is a God of judgment to unbelievers but he is Yehovah. He is the God of close and intimate covenant relationship with believers. And the title of the psalm tells us that this kind of a close relationship with God is not instantly achieved or even automatically achieved. We have to pursue intimacy with God. Uh, the inspired title is A Song of Ascents. These uh, songs were sung by pilgrims as they approached The throne of Yahweh to uh, sing, to praise, to worship, to adore the one who had saved them and continues to bless them. Here's what uh, the old commentator William Kay said of this title Go up, go up, my soul, must be the motto of one who would enter into the meaning of these Psalms. They are a Jacob's ladder whose foot is fixed on the earth, but the top reaches up to the heavenly Jerusalem nearer my God to thee. And the point is that knowing God is not a luxury that only pastors can achieve or that only men of leisure, you know, have the time to be able to press into as they've gotten away from the hustle and bustle of life. We're going to be seeing in this Psalm that knowing God can be achieved right in the hustle and the bustle of ordinary life. For example, can you know God in this close way on the battlefield? And Scripture says, yes, you can. And there are a number of Scriptures, but I love uh, Daniel eleven thirty-two, 32. It prophesied about the Maccabean soldiers. If you know anything about the Maccabean wars, those were brutal wars. But it says about those Maccabean soldiers who were on the battlefield that the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great explo- exploits. Even their fighting on the battlefield was done quorum Deo, before the face of God. As another example... God told the youthful Solomon, uh, who was really fearful, he had doubts about whether he'd be able to rule this kingdom that he had just inherited. God told him, no, you will be able to rule this if you learn to know me, if you learn to know uh, the Lord. He says, if you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will cast you off. 1 Chronicles 28, 9. So the blessings of this psalm are not automatic for believers. They come from knowing Him and walking with Him. Psalm ten, verse four, should never be true description of any believer. Should not be true. Um, it says, "The wicked, in his proud countenance, does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts." So, true Christians do have God in at least some of their thoughts. They won't, will never be described by that psalm. But if you can go through an entire day without sensing that God is with you, I believe you are missing out on a ton of blessings. Why? Because you're not walking quorum deo. It should be a part and parcel of our living, our day, our night. <clears throat> Jeremiah 31 Verse 34 prophesies a glorious time in our future when everyone will know the Lord intimately, even the little children. It says, "'They shall all know me from the least of them "'to the greatest of them,' says the Lord." And that know is a very intimate knowledge. And because everybody will know the Lord on a moment-by-moment basis, they're going to experience far more blessings than we tend to experience, including things like prosperity, peace, long life, health, and other blessings. And so the point is, these blessings apply not just individually, they do apply individually, but they are also going to be applied corporately. But they certainly apply individually. Your capacity to thoroughly enjoy your marriage and the rest of your life grows in proportion to how much you know God. This is not just an empty slogan that sounds spiritual to say. It is reality. When you live your life quorum deo... I'll just give you one silly example. It is much harder for a nagging wife to rob your joy or for a mean boss to rob your joy and your blessings from you. They cannot do it. And so the first condition to a truly blessed life is to know the Lord and to experience His presence every moment of the day. And if you need a book that can start you on that, there's quite a number of books that deal with this, but um, I really like uh, the ancient book by Brother Lawrence, uh, Practicing the Presence. The second condition is to fear the Lord. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Verse 4 repeats that condition. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Fearing the Lord is probably, next to knowing the Lord, is probably the most important key uh, to uh, a successful uh, Christian life. It'll cause you to be God-centered in your marriage rather than man-centered. It'll cause you to desire God's well-done much more than anybody else's well-done on your job. Uh, It'll give you the backbone to do what is right when peer pressure makes you want to do what is wrong. We are commanded to fear the Lord over and over again in the Scriptures. Uh, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. study to develop a holy reverence for God, you will find yourself blessed. Psalm 115.13 says, He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. And the word small implies you can learn to start fearing the Lord even as a young child. It is possible. During the millennial glories of the future, God says that the fear of the Lord will be pervasive and therefore God's blessings will be pervasive. And so this too has a corporate dimension. Psalm 67.7 says, God shall bless us, And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. And so, one of my prayers for you as a congregation is that from the youngest of you to the oldest of us, that we would learn to fear the Lord so that even greater, and it's a blessing that comes from heaven, learning to fear God, but then that is a means of even further blessings falling into your life. The third condition is to walk in God's ways. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Now, walking in God's ways amounts to living by His laws, living by His blueprints, and uh, that is a very important thing to do. Those blueprints include many things. They include the eight laws of harvest, and uh, just as a farmer uh, is not going to prosper in his farming if he ignores those eight laws of harvest, we're not going to prosper in any other area of life if we ignore those. Those apply to economics. Uh, Those apply to uh, just about everything that we might uh, seek to do. But walking in God's ways involves far more than the laws of harvest. God's Word gives us laws of logic to enable us to prosper in our thinking. So if you're not studying biblical logic, you're not going to prosper as much in your thinking as you would otherwise be able to do. God's Word gives us laws of economics to enable us to prosper in our financial dealings. And if you don't study biblical economics, your financial deals will not prosper quite as much as they might otherwise prosper. And uh, at Biblical Blueprints, uh, we're studying God's ways or God's blueprints for many areas of life. And I think if you just think about normal blueprints and how they function, it makes sense. If um, a house is built without good blueprints, uh, there are probably going to be problems. A car that is not maintained according to the manufacturer's blueprints is probably going to end up having some major problems. Now, you can ignore God's blueprints for quite a while and get by, get away with it, just like you can run a car without ever changing the oil. But eventually, everything's going to come to a screeching halt. And so if you have found that some of your blessings have been drying up, drying up, I would encourage you to go back to the manufacturer's manual. If you're consistent in that, the car of your marriage will begin to function more smoothly. And the car of your business and the car of your dominion will be prospered. As this psalm says, you will be happy all the days of your life. Psalm 112, verse 1, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. It's just another way of saying exactly the same thing. The fourth condition is that we seek first the kingdom of God in everything that we do. And the way it's worded in this psalm is seen in verse five May you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Now, the throne, God made his throne on earth in Jerusalem, uh, in the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant. But now, for us, it's the heavenly Jerusalem, right? So, our work, our rest, our pleasures, our labors should all be done through the power that we receive from heaven and be done in a way that um, has as, as its purpose to extend the kingdom of heaven on earth. And since his kingdom of heaven invades the earth and transforms everything in the earth, there's really no need for any area of our lives to pull us away from a kingdom passion as a faulty way of thinking as Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Okay. They're added to the kingdom. They're added to you. And he's talking about blessings. So those are the four conditions for multiplying your blessings. Know God in a quorum deo kind of way, fear him, walk in his ways and seek first his kingdom. And so what I'm going to do in the remainder of this uh, sermon is I want to pronounce the 12 blessings of this psalm upon the men of this congregation who are committed to keeping those four conditions, and then through the men to their wives, to their children, and to their grandchildren. And uh, you wives, this ought to motivate you to build up your uh, husband so that he can be a conduit of blessings. So men, first of all, I pronounce the general blessing of verses 1 and 4 upon you. Verse 1 pronounces a general blessing when it says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His way. May the Lord bless everything that you do. Don't accept the negative pronouncements of other people against your marriage, your children, your uh, dominion, your plans, or any other aspect of dominion God has called you to. I really encourage you to reject uh, the curses and negative affirmations of other people. Reject any Murphy's laws, basically, that people pronounce against you, and look continually to the Lord's uh, leading. He can annul, Christ can annul those Murphy's laws, which, by the way, do work statistically. If you, if you look at Murphy's laws, they seem to happen with unbelievers. I think believers ought to be different when it comes to, uh, to this. So he can annul those Murphy laws and bring you out to prosperity. After all, he says, if God is for you, who could be against you? Second, may God bless your eating. Verse 2 says, when you eat, dot, 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 you shall be happy. People don't often think about it, but I think God appreciates foodies uh, if they are eating to his glory... And um, you know, are uh, seeing that food as a blessing from Him. I did a search on my computer program for all of the verses that talk about God's positive views on food, and I found three thousand twenty-five verses that shows how much God loves to bless His people with good-tasting things. Now, God could have given Adam and Eve all the nourishment they needed through tasteless uh, toothpaste tubes, and uh, they would have functioned okay. Um, He could have just given them five vegetables and two pieces of fruit every day to to eat, and that would have been a blessing. But God blessed them with such abundance of fruits, vegetables, grains, herbs, tubers, berries, nuts, edible flowers, such as cauliflower, and uh, yeah, you kids need to learn to eat cauliflower. And... um, broccoli, those are edible flowers, and edible stems, it would take each of us multiple lifetimes to get through all of the different exquisite variety and flavors that God has blessed us with. There are glorious aspects to the aesthetics of food. So those of you who just love to chow down, and you don't savor your food, and don't express your appreciation to God for the glorious taste that He's allowed you to enjoy, I think you're short-circuiting some of the blessings God wants to bless you with. I went to a horticulture website to see how many edible plants God created, and so far, they're still cataloging, so far they have run across more than 20,000 edible plants not, you know, some of the, some of the medicinal, uh, medicinal plants are not considered edible plants, because if you eat too much of it, you'll poison yourself, but they are medicinal. We're talking 20,000, more than 20,000 different edible plants, each of which has unique smells, tastes, visual appeal, textures. It's just astounding how blessed we are. Our God is so generous, Amen. so generous. And God gave all of those to Adam and Eve for food. Have you been willing to experiment a little bit and go beyond your comfort zone of Midwest meat and potatoes, you know, and try to experience a few more of the blessings that God has given to you? God wants to bless you, and some of you literally close your mouths to God's blessings. (laughs) I'm serious when I say, may God bless your eating, okay? May he take away food allergies, May he bless you with an increasingly sophisticated palate. (laughs) The culinary side of life and that part of dominion has exquisite blessings attached to it. I'll just give you a couple of examples. The myriad flavors that you get from each different kind of wine, especially the dry wines. You know, Jesus liked the dry wines better than new. You knew that, right? (laughs) (laughs) He said, nobody who's got any palate. Well, he didn't say that, but nobody's going to say that the new wine's better after he's tasted the old wine. But anyway, it's astounding the variety that you get in wines. It's astounding the variety of flavors you get in different kinds of coffee beans and different roasts of coffee beans. Okay, so we need to experiment and say, Lord, you've blessed me, and I want to learn to appreciate all of these blessings that you have given to me. So here's my blessing. May God bless your eating. Amen? Amen. (laughs) I didn't see very hearty amen on that. (laughs) I think some of the people are worried they're going to have to eat broccoli. (laughs) Third, may God bless your labor. Uh, The margin points out that the Hebrew word for labor in verse 2, yegiyah, uh, refers not just to hard labor, but also to the fruits of labor. Because there is some labor that's aimless, it's pointless. And that's because it's cursed, okay? But God can bless a Christian's labor where there's always eternal and time uh, blessings that are associated with it. Digging your garden because you delight in the garden as a gift from God transforms what could be frustrating into something enjoyable. Seeing your labor in the garden as a gift of service to King Jesus, it is, seeing it as a gift of service to King Jesus, transforms it into something enjoyable. And of course, the labor that is blessed in verse two is not just gardening. It is any aspect of our dominion work that God has called us to, whether that's mining for crypto or or putting a thousand dollar sight on your gun. Uh, Yes, that's all a part of dominion. Amen. (laughs) Okay. So when our labors are done that way, they're done like uh, Tabitha did hers, right? She did them by faith, to the glory of God, by the power of the Spirit. Yes, you can even do farming by the power of the Spirit, and, um, and uh, being united to Christ. When our labors are done that way, God will bless those labors, just as he blessed all of the labors of Joseph's hands in Genesis. <clears throat> Fourth, may God bless your emotions. Forgot to take my allergy medicine this morning. Verse 2 goes on to say, You shall be happy. Such a simple statement. You shall be happy. Uh, When I was in my 20s, I went through a period of life when kind of a a Gnostic asceticism had taken hold of me from some people that were heroes of mine. It was uh, John Wesley and and his friend George Whitfield. And reading them, I began feeling guilty about eating fruit and eating anything enjoyable. I I, I felt guilty if I was enjoying life. I felt like if I'm really dedicating my life to Christ, I need to feel the pain of that sacrifice. What I didn't realize was that I had not laid down my life sufficiently to Christ, and that my opinions about enjoyment were messed up. They were not biblical. You see, Jesus is the Lord— who dictates what submission and sacrifice looks like. And I'll just use the example of the Apostle Peter as, as an illustration. Peter felt guilty about having Jesus wash his feet, which you know, can be a very enjoyable experience when you've been trudging all over the, uh, the, the territory. He felt guilty about having Jesus wash his feet in John 13, and he said, you shall never wash my feet. He thought that denying this blessing was being humble and submissive But it was in reality the exact opposite. He was not being humble and submissive by refusing Christ's gift of service. You see, Jesus dictates how we submit, not us. Jesus dictates how we sacrifice, not us. Jesus said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Well, Peter is still seeking to be in control, you know, overcorrects, but still does not show true submission. He says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. But that's not what Christ asked to do. He wasn't submitting to his leadership. He still was trying to control. Christ does call for sacrifice, but he does not call you to be an ascetic who refuses to enjoy God's good gifts. Well, the same is true with regard to emotions. Some people feel guilty when they have happiness in intimacy, in food, in watching a movie or something else. But they fail to appreciate the fact that God has commanded us to relax and has commanded us to enjoy the labors of our hands he has called us to be happy so we are not walking in his ways when we reject what he calls us to enjoy now there is overindulgence that the scripture talks about that is also not walking in his ways but we're not focusing on that this morning God wrote a whole book on the joys of marital intimacy, the Song of Solomon, and yet how many people think they're being spiritual by having hang-ups over that subject? No, that's not walking in God's ways. That's walking in our own hang-up ways. Um, They're not fearing the Lord. Uh, They're walking in their own fear, and that's because they've not gotten used to living every part of their existence before the face of God. Yes, even in bed. We must live all our lives, quorum deo. I did a count of God's plans for His people to have positive, joyful, happy, contented, and/or merry hearts, and I came up with one thousand four hundred ninety-eight verses. That's a lot of verses. Okay. Now, some of those verses do say that God will either curse or withhold blessings from those who refuse to enjoy life. I found those interesting. Uh, why would he give you more blessings when you just don't appreciate the blessings he's already given? Is basically what those verses are saying. I'll just give you one example uh, that God has demotivated us to bless us with more when we don't appreciate his blessings. This is Deuteronomy twenty-eight forty-seven. says, why has God withheld his blessings? He says, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. You weren't enjoying the abundance of blessings that I had given to you, so God says, I'm deciding not to give you anymore. Makes sense, right? We've got to learn to live Coram Deo. It's God's will to have emotional blessings poured out upon us. Zephaniah 3.14 says, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, now, it sometimes takes an act of the will. We don't feel like rejoicing. We feel like moping. And we've got to rebuke ourselves and say, no, Phil, I am going to rejoice in the Lord. I've got so much to rejoice in the Lord. I refuse to be held down by my false feelings. I'm going to allow my feelings to be sanctified uh, by the Lord. Amen. Nehemiah 8, verse 10, do not sorrow. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalm 4 verse 7, you have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. Now, is this gladness, this is what our mind thinks, yeah, that's probably for rare occasions. No, this is not intended for rare occasions, or at least it doesn't need to be. Psalm 5 verse 11 says, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you, let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those who love your name be joyful to you. And you might think, yeah, that's easy for you, Pastor Kaiser. You don't have to go through all of the harrowing, hard things that I go through. Believe me, I have most of my life suffered with depression. I have to fight for joy. I have to put off those negative feelings. I have to resist and say, no, I will rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because God wants me to rejoice in him. And believe it or not, as we by faith say those things... God supernaturally starts that joy flooding into our hearts. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. Paul said much the same thing as uh, Psalm 5. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It's a command. Now, of course, it takes consistently walking in God's presence to consistently have such good emotional blessings, Psalm 1611 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so if you're lacking in these emotional blessings, I would encourage you to go back to God's biblical blueprints, go back to the Scriptures, and ask God, are there any of these four conditions that are lacking in my life? May I put them on by your grace. May the Lord pour out, here's my blessing, May the Lord pour out blessings of happiness, contentment, joy, and all of the other emotional blessings you need upon you. Fifth, may God bless you with success. Verse 2 ends, and it shall be well with you. Now, some people are so pessimistic that they are always fearing the worst. And we saw in our last sermon that fear is like faith. It latches on to its object. Often what we fear comes upon us. It's important to know that when we keep God's four conditions, even if the world thinks we are not successful, no, we will be successful. Um, Even if we lose our job, our reputation, our house, or other things, no one can rob us of eternal kingdom success. Ecclesiastes 8.12 says, Though a sinner does evil a hundred times, and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before Him. He's basically saying, doesn't matter how much evil you've received from other people, and they might interpret it, ha, we're the successful ones, and the Christian is not the successful ones. If we're walking in the Spirit, we will be successful. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is is not in vain in the Lord. So here comes my fifth blessing. May God bless you with success that endures forever. Sixth, may God bless your wife. Verse 3 says, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. God has chosen to bestow many blessings upon the wife through Uh, The husband. And this is why she must be at the very heart of your home. Ephesians admonishes us husbands to nurture, protect, and cherish our wives. We're to wash them with the water of, of the word. So when an angry thought comes into our mind, we need to banish that angry thought with the realization God has called me to bless my wife, and God intends to bless my wife through me. I cannot be robbing her of these blessings. May God bless your wife. May your wife not feel on the periphery of the home, but at the heart of the home. May the home be warmer because of her. May your home be cheerful and welcoming because of her. May she be a blessing to you as you are a blessing to her. Seventh, may God bless you with lovely children who will in turn bless others. I think all of that is bound up in the uh, two figures in verse three. The wife, as a fruitful vine, bears fruit, or children. And then it goes on to say, your children like olive plants all around your table. Now, grapes and olive plants were two of the most highly prized plants in Israel. Olive plants were not only lovely to behold, but they gave shade. They produced medicine through their leaves. That's one of the things I discovered quite a few years ago. There's a lot of medicinal properties to olive leaves, and there also is to olive oil. Uh, Why shouldn't I shouldn't even probably tell you what I use olive oil for. (laughs) I drink, I drink three tablespoons of olive oil, and I've gotten rid of uh, ibuprofen. I shouldn't probably be preaching that in the sermon. But anyway, olive oil has got some medicinal things as well. But anyway, may, olive oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit here. He's not talking about using it in place of (laughs) ibuprofen. I shouldn't go off my script, right? But anyway, that figure is saying, may God bless you with lovely children who will in turn bless others. Now, this is not the way that the world thinks about children. Many times the world thinks about children as a burden. When people try to tell you, oh, yeah, just wait. Your children are going to have the terrible twos and the thankless threes and the fiendish fours, and they pronounce all kinds of curses, and those are curses. Reject those curses. Do not believe it. Always affirm the Scripture by faith. By faith, believe that God can do better with your children than the world does with their children. You are not a part of statistics. You're breaking all statistics as believers. By faith, believe that. Receive His blessing, and by faith and hard work, and yes, it does require a lot of hard work. Faith is always a working faith. Prepare your olive plants to produce shade and medicine from their young leaves and fruit as God intended. And by the way, if your children are not acting as olive plants, then you just have some more work to do. uh, You know, if there's problems in your children, just realize they're olive plants that need pruning. Or more likely, the parents need some pruning, uh, right? If the the children are not uh, uh, producing as they should be. Now, of course, another blessing that's implied in all the metaphors in verse 3 is is there's a home, a warm home that needs to be blessed, including great conversations around the table. May God bless your home to be a life-giving home, a warm home, a welcoming home, a home from which the oil of the Holy Spirit flows. May your children love gathering around the dinner table because that table is such a source of fellowship and blessing if it's not already, believe that it will be, right? This is where we're going. It's trajectory. It's not perfection. It's direction. And so let's accept these blessings and may guests find blessing around that same table. The ninth blessing is, may God bless you through this church. Verse 5 says, the Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. So may the Lord bless you out of Zion. Ultimately, it's the heavenly Zion, but he works through his church. And actually, frequently, that word Zion was a synonym for God's people, uh, the church. And God delights to bless you and your family as you bring them to church. It is my prayer that you would find blessings every single week as you sit amongst God's people in Zion. May it ever be a place of blessing, and may you in turn be a blessing to other members of Zion, and may our earthly church experience the blessings of the heavenly Zion. Tenth, may God bless your time and help you to redeem your time. May he bless your days, all your days. I have a handout that I should have brought with me, but I didn't, Um, but I have a a handout on a biblical philosophy of time, and it is quite different from the pagan views of time. Verse 5 says, May you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Now, seeing kingdom good all the days of your life requires that all the days of your life be devoted to God, right? Right? It's hard to outgive God, and when you give him all your time, God will multiply your time. So may God bless your time, help you to redeem your time. Eleventh, may God bless you with grandchildren. We have a biblical optimism in this church. Uh, we expect grandchildren and great grandchildren to be blessed by God. Uh, Now, this psalm doesn't want you to have a short-term vision. Instead, verse 6 says, May you see your children's children. And even now, you men and women should be excitedly anticipating a time when you've got 15, 20, 40 grandchildren, great-grandchildren, crowded into your house of blessing and blessing each other. I mean, this is the kind of thing, by faith, we need to be expecting. According to your faith, be it unto you. Twelfth may God bless you with his shalom. Now that Hebrew word for peace in verse 6 is shalom, and it refers to, we've preached on this many times before, the reversal of everything that was negatively affected by the fall of mankind into sin. It includes within its definition the idea of inward peace and prosperity as well as outward peace and prosperity. It has within it the idea of inward healing as well as healing of the body. All you need to do is just think of how extensively, my little chart of how extensively the fall impacted mankind in this world, how extensively the fall impacted this poor world, God can begin the process of reversing that in your life and in other people's lives uh, one person at a time. So receive this blessing as well. May God bless you, my dear congregation, with shalom. Now, let me uh, conclude this sermon with one more thought. If you by faith have received these blessings this morning, the concluding point is this, having received God's blessings, may God bless others through you. Uh, Daniel preached on this not too many Sundays ago, that we are blessed to be a blessing, right? The title hints at this thought when it calls this a psalm of ascents. This was a song that was sung on pilgrimage as the Israelites set their hearts on Jerusalem and they gathered together. This is not a Lone Ranger psalm, right? Uh, They didn't just stay to themselves. This blessing can also be seen in the last phrase of the psalm, which says, peace be upon Israel. So how can all of these individual blessings or these family blessings... uh, How does it reconcile with blessing being upon Israel? Well, the family is the foundation of the church. It's the foundation of culture. And so uh, the family, uh, as the building block, if the family is blessed, well, the church and the culture will be blessed. And beyond that, it is as your family is raised to bring blessing to others that your family will end up being blessed. Uh, Think of it this way. A lake that only has an inlet and has no outlet eventually becomes a stinking, scum-covered, lifeless, dead sea, right? It's just inevitable. Um, In the same way, a family that only selfishly takes in blessings but does not give out blessings to others loses its purpose for blessing and thus begins to lose the fullness of the blessings. So, May God bless you so richly that you are a blessing to others. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we believe your blessings are true. You are a God who cannot lie. You love to bless your people. You have richly blessed your people. You daily load us with blessings. And we thank you. And I pray that you would give us the faith to see your generous heart. Uh, that you would give us the ability to not let these things slide off of us, but that these loads would be joyful loads that we carry all of our days. Father, I pray that the four conditions to receiving and permanently having these blessings in our lives would be richly evident in each child, each mother, each father in this home. Father, that each home here would be a warm home of blessing to others. Father, would you encourage and build up and strengthen uh, this, uh, your congregation, to be a congregation of blessing. May we drink so deeply of the living waters that flow from your throne that out of our innermost being would flow rivers of living water. May we be blessed that we might be a blessing. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.